Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Welcome to episode 6 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Payne, as ever, a film composer and the founder of ShockStreetHorror.com. And I'm Mitch Stewart. Are you just changing your name to Mitch yeah. for convenience? Yeah, I think it's probably for the best. Uh, so I am, of course, joined by my illustrious co-host, Andy Stewart. And we are being joined in the studio tonight. Really happy to have this guy on. He is the director of Knucklebones. Yes. A very warm welcome to Mr. Mitch Wilson. Mitch, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Hello, Mitches. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Mitch. Um, okay, so I want to get straight into this. So you chose this pretty quick off the bat. You have cycled us back to 2000 with Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. Yes. To begin with, so before we begin, we kind of started leading in with this. So uh, what is your what is your relationship with this film? Why have you chosen it today? Okay, well, I was obviously a huge fan of the original Blair Witch. And like most people, I was there day one when Blair Witch 2 was released. And I wanted to, by the end of it, I wanted to burn down the movie theater. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> but a few years ago, I started reading articles online about people revisiting it, people that had never even seen the first Blair Witch, and it was getting really positive reviews. So I decided to watch it again, and uh, now I'm a huge fan. Interesting. Uh, there's so much going on in this film. I mean, it's, it's oppressive. It's <laughs> unsettling. There's a lot of roadblocks for someone watching this movie. If you're a fan of the first Blair Witch, you will hate it because it doesn't deliver what you're expecting. And if you're not a fan of the first Blair Witch, you probably didn't see it. So (laughs) (laughs) there's a whole there's a whole new generation of uh, kids that have discovered it. And I like I said, I I rewatched it again for um, in preparation for this, okay. and uh, I watched it two times in a row. I love it. Cool. Okay. I love it too. I've got to, I've got to be honest. Uh, I well, I say I love it. It's a film that I've that's uh, kind of wheedled its way into my subconscious. It's a film that I was adamant again, similar to Mitch. A, a film that I was adamant I despised, and I think I, I last watched it again prior to this, where I've watched it twice in preparation. It was a film that I didn't really have any inclination to go back and watch, and then I think I last watched it about five years ago, and uh, it seemed to sit a lot better with me than it certainly did five years ago prior to that. I hadn't seen this in a really long time, and I rewatched it last night mm-hmm. ahead of this. Um, I don't want to dig in too much into what I think of it just yet. That's fine. But what we will do just now, Mitch, and um, I know that you've um, you've listened to the podcast before, um, so you'll maybe know this is coming. But for the benefit of anyone who is listening tonight that hasn't seen the film, uh, Andy's going to put thirty seconds on the clock, and we're looking for you to give us a thirty-second synopsis. Are you good to go? Sure. Okay. Right. Are you set? Yeah, I'm ready to go. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Okay. So it's about a year since the original Blair Witch movie came out, both in the real world and in this movie. The Blair Witch movie exists in this movie. So we're already through the looking glass. Okay, so people from all over the world are flocking to Burkittsville, Maryland to be a part of the phenomenon. Uh, The story itself is about one particular tour group that is uh, going to retrace the steps of the movie and try and find the witch. We've got a entrepreneur tour guide who's never actually 
Okay, well, that's time. <laughs> oh, you're uh, out of time, Mitch. You're out of time. We'll have to make up the rest of it as we go along. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, we'll have well, to... you can't really Jesus. say much without giving it away. That's true. What the fuck is going on here? Um, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but no, but I've, that's something that you hit on crucially. I think that I think it's kind of cool as an idea on paper. I like the idea of this mm-hmm. being set in a universe where the Blair Witch is a, is a film. But the Blair Witch Project exists. Yeah, sorry, the Blair Witch Project exists as a movie. I like that. Um, out of the gate. And um, I think that a lot, I really, t- the, the pre-credits stuff, you know, like the, uh, the kind of documentary style footage in town, when you see um, how it's become this kind of tourist project profiteering thing in Burkittsville and I think a lot of the talking head stuff is really funny there's that really cool stuff before that that kind of draws you into painting it as the kind of real world real world situation where you've got the presumably real footage of guys like uh, Kurt Loder and Jay Leno and Conan O'Brien and stuff talking about the film so they kind of use that uh, as a device to, to drum home the, the reality of it. Right, and it's very strange that they do that. I mean, not a lot of movies acknowledge, like, imagine in Ghostbusters 2 if they're watching a movie of the first <laughs> Ghostbusters. I mean, it's... <laughs> and uh, actually, the director is one of the first man-on-the-street interviews. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, he's Resident Joe. That's kind of cool. I like the, this this kind of meta approach that it takes. I know that you're you're thinking, well, why didn't I like the tension? Uh, but it's, I think it's an entirely different I think the, the meta approach in this and the way the meta approach is done kind of using that found footage talking heads thing that the first film used so well yeah. to kind of set things up before it does that kind of wreck three thing and goes in completely another direction it's, yeah, it's, I, I think it's pretty smart I mean I, out of the gate I, I was kind of I was on board with that as a conceit I liked it one thing I would say is that the, the residents of Burkittsville they aren't painted in the best light they're pretty much painted as kind of toothless simpletons, which I thought was a bit cruel. Yes, they really don't like their town being invaded, and uh, I mean, it was it was just like real life. People were actually going there and harassing the people, and uh, you know, this movie kind of explores, is there a Blair Witch? And there were tons of people at the time that believed that the Blair Witch was real, and they wanted to go out there and uh, try and find her. Yeah, they, they really pushed that, didn't they, in the first film? They really, um, in the marketing of the, the first film, they really tried to blur the line between whether or not it was real or not. Oh, yeah. I was there at Ground Zero. I was on a website late one night, and I saw a little stick figure icon, and I clicked on it, and I started reading all about this real event that had happened. And it was really creepy. And, and um, then we heard that there was a movie coming out, and... Uh, I think it was the History Channel did like an hour documentary where, you know, they they treated it like it was a real subject. So when I saw the actual movie, I, you know, leading into the end of the movie, I knew what, you know, what was happening and I was really into it. I never actually believed it, but as an aspiring screenwriter at the time, I was super jealous of it. I mean, it was very well done. It's one. Of, it's certainly one of the earliest vital marketing things I can remember. Definitely. Um, I don't think that I had exactly um appreciated that. I mean, I suppose it makes sense, but I don't think I'd really necessarily known that the like kind of site of the first movie and stuff have been beset by people in real life mm. who are trying to do what the people are doing in uh, Blue Witch: Book of Shadows, which is kind of. I mean, it kind of makes me like the pre credits even more uh, because of the way. Like, I think because one of the women who is being interviewed in there, she says something like, "It's like, oh, I really wish they hadn't used the term documentary." Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, like, because it convinced people it was real, and yeah. they, they wanted to be part of that. So I think that's like, I, I, so that's probably like that probably makes me appreciate it on a level that I didn't necessarily 
before. And then right. straight from there, we kind of hurtle straight into the uh, the credit sequence, <laughs> which um, is an interesting one. Like, I mean, like one thing that I think is kind of, and we can get into this a little bit more as we go on, but like one thing that I think is, uh, there's a lot of things about it. I think it's quite a brash film in a lot of ways. Well, aye, it's, um, it's a film of a very certain time. Like but, I think I'd said, it's a particularly new metal film. Yeah, and I think that like, uh, and, and no, like n- that is no more true than in the opening sequence where you get this kind of, it's intercut with, uh, kind of ritual that's explained later but basically you're getting this flyover of the woods and you've got uh, Disposable Teens by Marilyn Manson mm-hmm. kind of which they absolutely rinse the license, license over that because I think you get two verses two choruses on the middle mm-hmm. eight. Uh it's the first instance of what felt like it was kind of a, quite a lot of meddling from Artisan <laughs> they put the film out right ex- absolutely this was the first <laughs> of a lot of studio interference. Originally, the director wanted uh, Frank Sinatra's Witchcraft. Yeah, uh, he wanted you. a more satirical opening because as we were talking about people that were obsessed with thinking the, the witch was real, by this time, there had already been a huge backlash of people that felt duped then when they found out it wasn't real. So <laughs> this movie is kind of embracing that and kind of, like you said, it's a meta commentary on people that did believe at one time or still believed that the witch was real. So he was trying to, uh, he didn't want to just deliver another found footage movie, even though we would get hundreds more after this one. Uh, he <laughs> wanted to try something completely different and make a, make a comment on it. Well, he's from a he's from a documentary background. He did the Metallica documentary. Um, yes, well, well at the time, uh, some kind of monster. Yeah, oh. yeah. At the time, he was uh, super hot off of uh, Paradise Lost, which was an HBO documentary about these goth teens that were he felt were falsely accused of murdering children, and right. it was a it was a hugely successful. Um, documentary they made two more was um, the west memphis three yes yeah that's yeah. paradise lost yes wow. and then yes he went on he recovered from uh, book shadows to go on to do some kind of monster uh there's actually a bit uh, in the woods where uh, sheriff cravens uh, which i guess is a, probably a nod to wes craven and um, there's a bit where he's chasing just like all these kind of goths are coming out of the woodwork out of the trees and he's kind of just standing with a megaphone, tell, like kind of shepherding all these goths away, like hundreds of them, and they're all yes. kind of vanishing off under rocks and kind of creeping away. Like, uh, it's, it's hilarious. It's pretty weird. He's I, always, I can't I can't tell if that character was part of the reshoots and the studio interference, or if he was always there and they just put in more of him. Yeah. But he's such an odd character. He's, he's, a, he's a weird guy. He's like a less chilled out Willie Nelson, <laughs> and he's furious the whole time. Really, furious. no bl- wonder. I but you know he's he's he's. I- 11 the entire time yeah yeah i mean so he's got like the the backwoods accent going and it seems like a studio note to me because the rest of the film is pretty much like you said just like the new metal horror that they were making at the time i believe it's well acted it's well directed i mean there's a good movie in there and a lot of studio interference actually makes it even more fascinating to me. <laughs> I, I think that there's, like, the, mo- the more that I read about it after I'd seen it, I think the more I think that there's an element of truth to what you're saying. Mm. And it hadn't actually entered my head that Sheriff Cravens would have been a reshoot or a studio note to amplify his presence in it or whatever. But now you say it, it kind of makes perfect sense. Well, the uh, psychiatric hospital stuff was <laughs> definitely inserted after the fact. Yeah. And he's so involved in that, it seems like he might have been added later. 
But then at the very end, uh, no spoilers, seems like he was in there all along, so maybe they just beefed up his role. Well, you can you can spoil, Mitch. We'll head this up with a spoiler warning. You, yeah, we always <laughs> do. We always do. Spoil. That scene in the psychiatric hospital, I found quite perplexing. The treatment seems kind of strange and unusual. It's... The doctor is smoking as he's obviously... <laughs> not sticking a tube down the guys yeah, i mean it's like moving, the most, he's, he's the most basic <laughs> the most basic practical effect yeah. of just the camera yeah. angle and just keep and, your hands moving up and down the up and down the tube yes. so it looks like it's going and through. then and then the pov looking up at the doctors later with one is like clearly in a ss uniform <laughs> that and, was that was a, but, a baffling moment yeah, and one's got <laughs> what appears to be a fake like a prosthetic nose seriously yeah yeah, well, yeah apparently the studio the studio's notes they didn't think it was um they didn't think it was violent enough, so we have all these random visions of violence that actually spoils uh, the payoff at the end, I think. And it's littered throughout the movie. And I don't know why they wanted it to be like that, because the Blair Witch didn't have violence in it. No. I mean, it was all about perceived Yeah, it was all by implication. Uh, violence. Yeah. Yeah, that was what was great about it. And yeah. then another thing is, is they felt that the there wasn't a main bad guy. So they added this uh, psychiatric hospital backstory. <laughs> which, also, which also doesn't really introduce any kind of like principal antagonist. No, either. no, no. It just shows a very, very, very horrible way to treat psychiatric patients. Um, yeah, it's like so they were creating the conflict between him and the sheriff where the conflict could have just been this guy was at, going and selling dirt from the woods on the internet and, and feed, feeding into this hysteria and but, profiting off of it. And he's you know? also fencing a lot of stuff stolen goods judging by his yes. house he's got like, yes. just shit everywhere almost, almost the entire movie is in his art directed home <laughs> and you know it's like it feels very I don't much know like where it. I don't know where they spent the budget on this movie oh man uh, it probably went right in the producer's pocket the, uh, I found out that the ruins of the, the Rustin Park house where kind of the, the main kind of drinking party scene takes place it was just polystyrene blocks. Really? Yeah. They've obviously not spent much money. I built a well out of polystyrene blocks uh, for a film I did. Didn't cost much, I can I tell won't. you. Uh-huh. But, it's so, it, but it did have a decent-sized budget. And this movie made money. And it's so weird there still isn't a Blu-ray release in the U.S. It's for pretty this surprising. Movie. It's pretty surprising. I don't, think we have, yeah. I don't think we have one here either. The, the one I've got is still an old... Uh, I think it's an old optimum release special edition thing. And I'll tell you why, because no one wants to be the guy in the meeting that says, okay, what do we want to put out on Blu-ray? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Book Shadows. I'll tell you, I'll, fu- I'll fucking buy but it. Though. Even though it would have made money. I oh, mean, yeah. it was, you know, yeah, people would have bought it. Definitely. So definitely. It's just like they're ashamed of it or whatever. And when I went and I had to buy a new copy to prepare for this, and the guy at the video store, I was like, do you have the Blu-ray? And he 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 immediately said, no, they've never released a Blu-ray. So this this was like this week. There was a guy telling me, no, but there's a director's cut coming out, and oh. we expect a Blu-ray, you know, very soon. And so people are just fascinated with this movie. There's an audience for it, though, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I want to pull this uh, linear a little bit here, um, because I, obviously after the precursor, what we get is uh, we get introduction to basically like your main characters. They're all on uh, Jeff, who, for clarity, is the psychiatric patient of the pre-credits. Or the, the, the psychiatric yeah. patient of the film, should I say, mm-hmm. that you see in flashback. I... Uh, and he's the tour guide, and they're in the bus, and they're, no, the van, and they're heading out. And you've got Stephen and Tristan, yep. the uh, the couple. Tristan is uh, expecting their author is writing a book on the Blair Witch phenomenon. Yeah. History or Hysteria, yes. I believe. 
And um, uh, you've got Hysteria Erica. or history. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. So, that's they it. argue about it. Get it right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Erica, the Wiccan, mm-hmm. uh, which which we'll get to. Um, and Kim, inevitably, the goth. And it's at this point that uh, Jeff, in a moment I quite enjoyed, where like, Jeff kind of admits that he has never actually done a tour before. And he's just flying as blindly into it as any of the rest of them are. Well, I think it's more a misunderstanding because Jeff doesn't claim to have done a tour before. It's said something like 10,000 hours or something like that but it's something to do with 10,000 browsing hours on his Blair Witch store well it's yeah, it's 10,000 10, satisfied customers of oh, his merch yeah, of store course, of course merch store of selling twig men and dirt and dot, online and dot. see this yeah. that just reminds me of a line that really made me laugh in the in the opening sequence uh, when you've got the woman that's talking about selling rocks and stuff from uh, <laughs> the site and she's like oh we made some money off it but not as much as we thought to because it costs a lot of money to ship a rock yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> an awesome line it's so funny um, it's half in delivery which obviously I don't have so they, they head out and they camp out in the ruins of Justin uh, Rustin Parr's house Rustin Parr's house yeah um, Rustin Parr being a, a killer who killed seven kids and plays a big part in the Blair Witch mythology yeah oh, but real, real quick talking about the character names Originally, they all used their real names, just like in the Blair Witch Project movie. Okay. But the but the marketing department thought that was weird, so they just kept their first names. Yeah. So it's all their real first names, but they made up last names. No way. Yeah, Kim, the character yeah. Kim, her surname's Diamond, and somebody somewhere yeah. said it yeah, sounds she, a bit like Kim King Diamond. Oh, yeah, she's, she's, she's Kim Director <laughs> yeah. in real life, isn't yeah. she? That's right. Yeah, she's a also queen. Cool. Also quite cool. So one thing I was I was gonna say was when they set up and they kind of like they start uh, drinking and smoking. Mm-hmm. and stuff and this kind of ties in with what I was saying about how you know when we we're talking about they wanted witchcraft for the opening sequence and they went with disposable teens instead well that ties you and, in that ties you into a certain genre of music well uh, I think it's kind of funny that it's like but it just reminds and also I mean you find out that Erica not only is she Wiccan but she is also a witch who is the daughter of an Episcopalian priest but is she uh, well yeah we can get to that but also but I think that when with that and kind of when they start partying and it starts the, the debauchery scene if you like is soundtrack with Feel Good Hit of the Summer by Queens of the Stone Age yeah. I was just thinking it was just like every single element of this has turned up to 11 to be as kind of uh, on the nose yeah it's like pretty it's pretty edgy. Bl- like pretty yeah, blunt edgy, for- yeah edgy is a great one and that is my wheelhouse, baby. I'm all, <laughs> over, I'm all over the Marilyn Manson. And that, and again, that was all studio stuff, but they were trying to match the other horror movies that were out rather than not trust the director or uh, repeat what they did on the first Blair Witch, which yeah. would have been the easiest thing to do. I don't know yeah, why they, they didn't. They were, but it sounds like, yeah, they were, they were playing into what was kind of what was kind of fashionable and what was kind of on trend at the time in horror. It feels like Buffy. <laughs> it feels like TV. Yeah, it's very slick. So once they camp out, we get one of my favorite moments or sequences in the film. Oh, it's the best! It's the best. Yeah. One of the best scenes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. When when uh, the the is now, this the weird the weird West uh, West Side Story rivalry between the two tour groups? Now, Mitch, you're gonna have to help us out here. I know that they're the Blair Witch Hunt. What's the other one? Uh, oh, I've, got, I've got it. It's the the Blair Witch Walk. It's the yeah. hunt against the walk. Yeah, th- th- this this sequence is one of my favorites. Oh, definitely. This there's another group uh, led by another tour uh, guy that doesn't look like he's done this very much, and they have a more uh, they have people they have someone from Germany, mm-hmm. and it looks like a uh, Asian couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he has like an assistant with him, two locals running the tour. And yeah, they, they get into it with yeah. our group because yeah, they're, they're fighting over who gets to spend the night at the house. Uh, yeah, yeah, in the, the ruins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Um, I think that this scene is, this scene's, the reason, one of the reasons that this scene is one of my favorites in there is because 
I think that like for whatever problems I have with some of the darker moments in it, I think that when this film is setting out to be funny, it is very funny. Like when things are played for laughs, they're played for laughs pretty effectively. Is it? I think so. I laughed a lot at this, and I think that that was. I think that I think that some of the some of the kind of rivalry stuff there was kind of designed to be kind of funny. Do you think, Mitch? I don't know. I mean, I like the scenes. I I thought you were going to talk about the party scenes. Those were my favorite. Those scenes. are those I are mean, great. I mean, I like that they. I thought it was clever how they tricked the other group. That was good. <laughs> going to Coffin Rock. A terrible, terrible uh, they mistake. Said they act all freaked out like they just went to Coffin Rock. So they tricked the other group into uh, going there because their tour guests immediately say, we want to see it. I didn't come all the way from Germany, you know, to sit under this tree. By the way, there's a giant tree on this house <laughs> that he says, this tree shouldn't be here. Uh, they couldn't build a house around this tree. And then it comes in later where it's just like a sapling. A twig? Yeah, that's yeah, like a video. twig. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that's, that it's around this time that some spooky shit starts going down. But the party is amazing. It looks, it's, I mean, it's off the chain for a party. But I think they're, ban- I mean, I think they're, fu- I think it's humorous banter going on through all this. I didn't have a problem with any of the of the stuff. And it was the two tour guides, uh, two bullshit artists going after each other. You know, you don't have a permit and all this. I mean, I thought that was all very well done. Yeah, I like that but, stuff too weird little turf war over and i do think it was i do think a lot of the exchanges are very funny like our goth chick who's mysteriously psychic for no reason whatsoever <laughs> and it's never explained she doesn't explain she doesn't seem particularly good at it it's not consistent no, but that's, but that's, um, otherwise she could have maybe been some help because this but this does pose into that yeah because that's the next thing isn't it? after the kind of party sequence they wake up and a lot of like um steven and tristan's work has been kind of shredded oh i love that i love the shredded paper rain thing oh we're, we're skipping past the party in oh no we don't have to <laughs> yeah, okay so before the other group even shows up they start uh they start pairing up mm-hmm. we've got the couple that's writing the book and then we've got our tour guide he's uh flirting with both the wiccan and the goth chick and he's pretending he's going to film a documentary of them where we literally get the mission statement of the film which is video never lies film does Oh, ah, and there you th- go. That's that yeah. literally sets up the whole twist at the end, and it's it's really the whole meta statement of this movie, where um, yeah, everything shot, you know, everything shot in I guess uh, third person, as it were, is bullshit. Definitely. Plus, I love the song that they play when they're all partying. It's all there's very, a, it's all very cool. I there's thought. a few uh, when they kind of when they kind of break out the weed. Um, Mind by System of a Down comes on to kind of illustrate how trippy, oh, yes. how trippy it's all getting. But he's he's basically trying to trying to get laid by using his video camera yeah pretty much trying to manipulate them yeah that's never worked for me (laughs) (laughs) never in fact quite the opposite Uh... okay i'm sorry so the next morning yeah no no that's fine that's fine well last thing the the goth chick they're worried about the group coming back later that night from coffin rock so they're gonna party all night yeah the goth chick said they're not coming back oh they're like how do you know she's like i just know oh yeah ominous tones I think the film does a good job of blurring the line of jumping ahead a little bit. Who might be responsible as things get weirder? It's quite clever on bouncing from person to person. Yeah. Um, Everyone has their own reasons for being there. Mm -hmm. I think they're very well fleshed out. I'd be inclined to agree with that. Um, <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, when we, when we wake up in the morning and, like, say, as you said, like, I think that the uh, the kind of shredded paper rain thing looks really cool. And there's a proper kind of, like, there's a real what the fuck when you're kind of waiting to figure out what exactly what that is. But, yeah, another um, another kind of flash of psychicness from Kim when she kind of identifies the tapes and stuff to find the tapes. Oh, yeah. Which, she's the suspect for the rest of the movie. She should be. How do you explain that psychic knowledge? 
That's true. That is, that is about the most suspicious thing you can do. Yes. They're buried <laughs> in the ground. I just happen to know that. And by the way, seeing that book shredded, I mean, it's a, it's a great visual, but also as, you know, as a writer, it's super traumatic. This <laughs> book that this guy has been working on, their Blair Witch book, is like in a million pieces coming down like snow all around them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of the tour guide's camera equipment has been smashed. He has an incredible yeah. amount of camera equipment. Uh, <laughs> right. he, he brought a lot of camera equipment, thousands upon thousands of dollars worth. And then you can't feel sorry for him for too long because it turns out he's got hundreds and hundreds more at home. He's got so much camera equipment. That's potentially like one of the weirdest homes I've ever seen in the film. Yeah, it's it's overly produced, super art-directed movie house <laughs> that, that, that he could never afford. I mean, even his refrigerator is cool. I mean, it's... <laughs> well, you know. he, says, he says that he bought it for $1. Oh, so yeah, so they have to explain why he has yeah. this amazing place yeah. so he's an so. As- aspiring documentarian and master negotiator yes and uh, stolen goods fans and stolen goods fans yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he's Be- a hustler he buys buys low sells high yeah exactly <laughs> yeah he's a hustler in every sense but um i think that like, I, I i what i would say is, like, as they like as the drama escalates and you kind of start when they start kind of shouting the odds at each other about who may or may not have done something during the night or whatever as the paranoia kind of escalates, I feel like that's where the cracks started to appear in some of the performances for me. And I feel like that's probably true of, I think that like when kind of like fairly intense character stuff happens mm-hmm. and when they're interacting with each other, I think that that's where I start to feel like the performances. And here, I think specifically, I'm probably talking about Steven. I would say uh, he kind of wavers the most out of everybody in there for me. Steven's my least my least favourite character in the film. It's- Strikes me as an odd, an odd slice of casting as okay. well. Yeah. He never did anything after this, by the way. Oh, really? Not a single thing, <laughs> really. Maybe as a few things, but I looked up everyone, and he he disappeared pretty quickly. Okay, okay. Had 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 he done much before? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. That's something I'd be curious about. But no, um, I like like I say, I th- and when I say, I think I'm when I say performances, I probably mean him, to be honest. And it's at this point, obviously, you get, you get kind of like the kind of the biggest kind of first act dramatic thing, which is obviously like Tristan miscarries. Oh yeah, fuck yeah, that's heavy. Which is yeah, but yeah, I'll... super heavy. Yeah. There's a bloody baby in a river. Yeah, it's really, <laughs> and it kind of comes out of nowhere, and it really does. Yeah, yeah. And she, the, there's another, there's the bit with Kim as well, where she's saying, "Oh, you're pregnant, aren't you? And you, you don't want to have this baby, do you?" And she's like, "No, no, I don't." And then she spends the whole night at the party, drinking, drinking, taking drugs doing everything that everyone else is doing yeah absolutely um so she goes quite hard down the route of trying to lose the baby in this one night which is also super fucking dark yeah actually it's kind of like it's it's actually kind of weird that that is treated so casually i cannot defend that plot line i don't know what they were trying to do in fairness i mean like it's not necessarily something you even have to defend it's just it's just it's it's like an interesting choice but i think that the way it's treated is really interesting and that like everyone including steven is sort of blase about it because he calls her on it like one time and then after that they're kind of just away she just kind of shrugs it off and they carry on but anyway yeah they just let her go as well from the hospital like they don't there's no great aftercare i don't know if maybe that's just an american thing um (laughs) but i mean it's certainly definitely (laughs) it struck me as weird (laughs) sorry mitch uh that wasn't intended as a jab. <laughs> yeah, uh, Too real. We, yeah, um, we, we've got the luxury. We, we can hang out at the hospital all day, as much as I we like. I think it was just like a, a horror plot device. I mean, I can it's, just agree, a reason, yeah. it's just a reason for the goth chick to mysteriously go, hey, you're pregnant. How do you know that? I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, and then we get our weird scene and then it's totally dropped. You know, it's, you know, it's, it is unsettling. And adds to the atmosphere a little, but the fact that they don't go anywhere with it or really explain what the argument was 
she wanted to have it and he didn't or something yeah i mean i'm i think that like that conflict isn't necessarily particularly well addressed although it does kind of rear its head a little bit in the third act in a way i mean they use it as a plot device for there being blood in the van that's right yeah yeah that's that's really it yeah Um, i mean that yeah they address that early in the movie to where you think that's what it is yeah but then later on it may just be the blood from the Spoiler alert! They totally butchered <laughs> the other tour group. Uh, and if you if you have in the middle of the night and they don't remember it, yeah. it's like that could be any one of about eight people's blood. Yeah. And if you haven't right. noticed, if you haven't uh, kind of got it by this point in the film, then you haven't been paid attention because the same recycled murder scenes are played over and over and over again. So if you haven't figured it out, then yeah. Right. In the first one they show, you can clearly see one of the tourists. You recognize him. Yeah. Later on, <laughs> later on, they kind of hide it a little bit. Yeah. It's, but, weird, uh, it's weird that they do that one first, then they get progressively more oblique about it as it goes on. <laughs> Rather than like building towards you, a reveal. But, but you're not sure exactly who did it. And the, the whole movie now is trying, I mean, Everyone that is watching this movie is waiting for the witch. So they think one of these people is either the witch or possessed by the witch. Uh-huh. And, you know, maybe think that just one or two of them did it. And then you get kind of tantalizing glimpses of things that, is that the witch? Oh, no, it's a weird little girl ghost. <laughs> right. Um, which is terrible. Yes. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, the the the, the thing. Uh, so that you you first see her in the hospital, but she uh, reappears a couple of times. And um, I think that like the actual look of her is fine. The movement, I think, is what yanks you out of it. But it plays into that backwards, backwards, backwards thing that they keep talking about. I think also true. Is she not always playing in reverse? Yeah, she like yeah, walking she's, in she's, reverse. Yeah, she's moving backwards in and like out of scenes and things like that. So yeah, yeah, that could be it. But after Tristan is, she gets out of hospital and stuff, and then they all decant themselves to Jeff's, uh, the previously mentioned weird house. Yeah, a factory. He lives in a factory. Yeah, he lives in a factory. A, a, factory. Bro- a broom factory. Oh, is that what, it, so. is that what they made? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I, I set knuckle bones in a garment factory because they're secretly making Nazi uniforms. But yeah, on... <laughs> When you actually say it, it doesn't sound that spooky. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get like uh, one line I really like when they get there as well. So when uh, obviously I can't remember who is in the group, but someone's kind of apprehensive about the look of the place or whatever, and they're crossing the little bridge to it. Oh, and, you... and Jeff's like, "Oh, it's totally safe. It's totally safe. Don't lean on that railing." Yeah, that comes into play later on again. Yeah, it's Chekhov's yeah. railing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh yes, because you have to isolate your group, and you can't just have them leave the house, even though one of them does in the car and goes to town. Wow! Uh, <laughs> but you know, but one, but they get rid of the bridge at some point, or do they? It's uh, an illusion. Geez, we don't know. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> but the, this whole build-up, I feel, just worked better set in the woods in the first film. The openness of the woods, I felt, just lended itself more to a much more oppressive, weirdly given that it's outside, a much more oppressive atmosphere than this weird, clearly a set set. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, I love the woods thing too. Uh, I, I grew up by woods, so as a little kid, I would go play in the woods. I've gotten lost in the woods. So woods are very spooky to me. But, uh, you know, this this house, I mean, it's, it's so bizarre that they set the rest of the movie here. And I'm going to make a comparison that <laughs> I hope doesn't invalidate everything else. But they, they're kind of doing the thing where they're all trapped in this house and yeah. and one of them may or may not be the witch mm-hmm. uh, for the rest of the movie, even though they're not totally trapped in the house. And I, this is where the movie gets really interesting to me. I'm interested to see where it's going to play out. The first time I'm interested to see the witch, 
But when you know that that's not going to happen, then you can just enjoy the the mystery that the director is creating. And I think it's quite I think it's quite effective. Going back to what I said, I think it uh, I think it does a good job of bouncing that question of who is the witch from character to character. Everybody gets their turn, as it were, of being the witch. Yes, and they're all marked by um, the Wiccan alphabet, which looks like oh, yeah. poison oak <laughs> on their bodies. And it's all growing. And there's a lot of random stuff that seems random that I think pays off really well in the end. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Do you disagree much? <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 well, I think well, that's fair. Well, okay, let's go back to uh, Video Never Lies Film Does. So everything we're seeing isn't actually happening. So these seemingly random things are actually clues that they're, they're in the dream world or whatever right now. And all of the truth is on the videotapes that they're watching no i mean I, I think you're you're hitting on something interesting that we'll dig into a little bit later about the video never lies film does it plays into the it, it does a great job of building that group psychosis yeah definitely which is steven's point earlier writing the book uh i think one of the reasons you don't like him is because he's the non-believer so subconsciously he's the he's you know he's the stick in the mud yeah, but yeah. he he thinks it's all um you know mass hysteria group psychosis the blair witch phenomenon itself and then, like you said, they're introducing it here. It's a little microcosm. And he arguably winds up the most hysterical out of the lot of them. Oh, yeah. And he totally says the line to everyone in the theater that is thinking, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> the last last line of the movie is, uh, oh. I mean, I hate to use the word troll, but it's such a troll. <laughs> <laughs> So, so shortly after this, we have this thing. We have the when they're rewatching the footage and they find in the middle of the night you have um, Erica. Erica. It turns out to be Erica, who's the naked woman dancing around the tree. I had yes. such a, I had such a crush on Erica the first time I saw this. Absolutely. Oh my God. Um, I had I had a crush on I had a massive crush on Erica when I last watched this. Yeah, yesterday. me too. <laughs> but yes, yeah, me too. Jesus. Uh, but yeah, so they confront her about that, and she understandably is pretty upset because she doesn't remember it. And then she goes into another room to do um, some kind of. Wiccan praying, yeah. I assume. Uh, Mitch, I have a question for you. So, see the scene of Erica sitting praying in the pentagram of candles. To Persephone? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. It reminded me a little of the kind of like one of the most frequently kind of shared and most seen shots from Knucklebones. Was that intentional? Oh, no. I mean, it, you know, that's been in a lot of movies. Um, Knucklebones was more of a Jumanji. I wanted to do a, like a horror version of Jumanji. And I've always been a gamer, so I love dice. Right. And the human knuckle bones just kind of played into that. It, it was more of a that is more obviously Freddy Krueger has the nursery rhyme thing, yeah. but it was it was I was kind of inspired after seeing Pumpkinhead. Oh, uh, Pumpkinhead for um yeah that was kind of the setup of the summoning and the the nursery rhyme they use in that. I'm a big fan of. Okay, but cool. no, it's you know. Hot chick around a pentagram. <laughs> <laughs> How can you go wrong? Exactly. Um, another good sequence, or a sequence I liked, comes after this. You've got uh, Kim going to the gas station. Oh, I love it. And uh, what I would say, actually, like, um, on her way in to the gas station when she goes there, uh, you run into some, like, what I would describe as, like, surprisingly genre-literate creeps. <laughs> right. Because someone's like, hey, Morticia, and I was like, oh, that's, like, quite niche for this guy. And then the next one's like, hey, Elvira, and I was like, wow. <laughs> These guys, these guys have done their homework. Hey, Vampira. Right, they, they're just three of them right in a row. Each one says their line. Then he goes in. And then later when you see them throwing rocks at her, they're in the exact same line. <laughs> in the row. Yeah, so they're it's the just, locals. It's just easier. They're the banjo, the banjo kids. Uh, and then the, there's that, there's the, another, there's that little, 
again, everyone's painted in such a bad light in this town. Uh, there's the real kind of, like, the mechanic guy under the fridge who can barely string two sentences together. And then you've got the yeah, kind of... and he is supposed to be the guy that killed the children. He's supposed to be uh, Rust- Rustin Park. Yes. And right. that's, that's really getting into the, the going down the rabbit hole of uh, S. Rever, which we can touch on later. If oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. No, I didn't. I didn't go down the full, and I watched this uh, twice back to back, and then the message on my DVD, the message comes up at the end to follow the S Rever thing, but I couldn't be bothered. I was then having to invest more time. Well, in the- Mitch, if you want to expand well, on that right now, you can. Okay, so it was it was only for the video release. Mm-hmm. So they kind of uh, they added all these images in the movie, and it was kind of a puzzle. Uh, S Rever is the word reverse backwards. Super clever. Um, (laughs) But it's just like images in the smoke from the fire. It says seek. And when uh, Kim Diamond is laying on the tombstone at the very beginning, it has different words on it every time they cut back to it. And then one of the characters speaks backwards in the film. So oh, that's right. Uh, uh, Tristan yes, talks. So, Tristan says something backwards at one point. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. and the whole thing led to a website where if you typed in the thing, uh, you know, you would get some prize or whatever. But it's it's basically says seek not the children. And then there's this whole. But the fact that it was just done as a marketing ploy yeah. for the, I don't really count that as part of the intention of the filmmaker. So, but it's just an, another one of those crazy fan theories going around i mean i'm not i'm not against it it's something quite fun did you have the video version my version didn't have that no so i've I got really... it's on i've got it on the on the dvd it comes up at the end of the dvd and you can select oh. to go backwards and it lets you go backwards and i think it kind of talks you through it as you go back the way or right. something I, I don't know i didn't like i say i didn't so i guess it's supposed to be you know similar to the reversal of the videotape they're yeah, watching uh, absolutely so yeah. that's kind of cool we should do that at some point I'd be up for doing that. I, 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 I like I, I when the I, director's cut comes out. Yes, yeah. it'll be go. out very soon, according to this employee. <laughs> so this DVD. I don't know much about that guy, but I trust his. I, I trust him. Hey, some of the most film savvy guys I've ever met in my life have worked in DVD shops or vid, like video stores. Um, so, Absolutely. So I would. Oh, yeah. I would Definitely. put a lot of stock in what this gentleman says. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, we get the altercation between Kim and uh, Peggy, I believe her name is, at the uh, gas station. Yeah, which escalates pretty quickly, whether it's imagined or not, like, or you know, whether the outcome is the same. It's like I don't think it escalates quickly. Kim is provoked quite heavily, whether or not she's right to take uh, a take a stick a nail file in her. Probably not, but she's provoked quite hard. So yeah, that's kind of left. That's kind of left as a as a standalone kind of interaction for now. Mm-hmm. And then she heads back, and I think again we've kind of got a pretty marked gear shift at this point because it kind of starts to, and this is the point where it's it really starts to ladle on uh, some pretty heavy revelations. I like actually like when she kind of dunts the car a little bit into the tree. Yeah, and she comes back and says to Jeff, oh, "Look, I, I kind of bumped your car a little bit," and he gets up in the morning and the car's fucking destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> and even then, he's not super pissed. It's <laughs> no. like I couldn't I couldn't understand their relationship, but like. She, they had to go to the graveyard to get her, but she says she drove a long way to get there. But yeah. they act like, I mean, he's totally cool with this car being totaled by I, this stranger. By a stranger. I did kind of think, I was like, why is he not furious about this? And it feels, yeah. does he know Erica already? It feels like they know no, each other. He, no, he did not. Because remember, they call her parents. Of course. And yeah, tra- yeah. And, and yeah, and she, she doesn't exist. 
Yeah, oh. so which they never explain. Uh, but yeah, this is this is probably like it gets like a few kind of mystifying things happen in fairly quick succession at this point because you've got um uh, yeah Erica yeah like I said they go missing so they call her they don't call her parents they call her hometown they call the church right the church yeah and yeah and it's identified at that point that it's not just that I have no daughter kind of it's not an expression he genuinely has no daughter. You've never had a daughter. Um, and it's also at this point that uh, Sheriff Cravens resurfaces and kind of calls Jeff to openly rib him at the fact that he's a suspect in the murder of the other two groups. He calls him from the back of a news report. Like, he's standing in the background of a news report shouting, which anyone watching presumably would be able to hear if it was real. But yeah, he's in the back of a news report angrily, uh, angrily, well, yeah, angrily taunting Jeff that... Uh, that he's a suspect in a multiple murder. I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't remember that in the film. Yeah, there's a bit where uh, he's, the, he's the... yeah, Cravens is like, turn the goddamn TV on! Sorry for the bad American accent. Right, I remember that. Yeah. And, and then he kind of, the news reporter's going, yeah, five bodies found at Coffin Rock. And then Sheriff Cravens wanders on in the background and he's still on the phone shouting that uh, right. that he's a, a suspect in well, that's a, what's a great. Murder. That's what's great about this movie. Every time you watch it, you discover something new. There's so much going on like that. Like the big tree at the very beginning is the biggest clue that this is all an illusion. Like when you see that that tree is a sapling, everything that is going on is trying to, like she may be the witch, you know, maybe he's possessed by the witch, but it's all red herrings. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of kind of, there's a lot of kind of like a lot of misdirection. Uh, I feel, I feel that the delivery of dialogue starts getting quite bad towards the end. Um, the more in, insane people start behaving, I start, I find myself cringing a lot more than I remembered. Yeah, I think that the, I think that the grip on the material loosens a bit as the kind of. But then I guess the, between the grip on the, the grip on the film overall, I mean, it might have seemed different until the studio got involved. There's right. a lot you can, there's a well, lot to be said about editing, um, and how an edit can make your film look and in terms of pacing. So yeah, it might be simply an editing issue because they recut the fuck out of it. Right. Well, as soon as you see the first scene of him being interrogated, the police interrogation scene, you know that that was added to try and save the film because that's that's kind of like adding voiceover to your movie after the fact. They can explain and they do. They still do it with movies now. And sometimes it's a director's choice. But a lot of times it's going back in with these interviews to fill in the holes for something the audience didn't understand. And I think a lot of the bad dialogue are is in those scenes. Yeah, I would agree. Mitch, if you were recutting this yourself, what would you leave out? Or how would you retell it? I would not show any of the violence early in the movie. Um, I would build the mystery longer. You're saying without setting it in the woods, but still staying in this house. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I would add, you know, uh, since they tried to make it like a traditional horror movie at the time, it could maybe use a couple more uh, uh, scenes of blood, even though we, we had the baby... We have the claw marks on Steven's stomach, which oh, that, I thought was really cool. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, love yeah, yeah. that. I love yeah. that. And the eating of the owl was some. Uh, she has a good munch on an owl. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. that was a good cut. We cussed to her <laughs> eating the Harry Potter owl. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I would leave. I would save it all to mystery at the at the very end. I wouldn't give away the movie in the you know the first five minutes of the film the way they did. That's the main thing I would do. But there has to be missing scenes, and that's kind of the reason I chose this movie is to to continue the push to get a director's cut. Every little helps. I'll increase awareness because I mean, you know, I like I say, I think it's engaging. It's it's very watchable. 
but I would just love to see what got cut out. Now, Joe Berlinger didn't particularly like the final cut. Dan Myrick and Ed Sanchez didn't particularly like the film at all. They were more or less executive producers and name only. Right. Audiences didn't particularly enjoy the film, although, as we said, it did okay financially. Do you think that the film was really just a, a kind of victim of... Because they, they, they did that thing where they pushed it out really quickly to get a sequel out in a year. Do you think that was maybe why people are coming around to liking it more these days? Because it was pushed out fast? Yeah, maybe, or, yeah, or maybe oh, because now that pe- people have had time to kind of get over Blair Witch hysteria, as it were. Well, uh, I definitely think that the, there is, there, we don't have the Blair Witch hysteria now. So I think it can be judged just as a movie and not as the sequel to Blair Witch. As the sequel to Blair Witch, it's an atrocity. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean it's, you know. He tried to go in a completely different direction, and rarely does that work. Uh, it's an admirable choice, though. I mean, James Cameron did it with Aliens. He made, uh, he took a horror movie, and then he made a sequel, which was an action movie. But you know, this director is not exactly James Cameron, so <laughs> he's not. Doesn't doesn't quite succeed. But yeah, Daniel Myrick and uh, Eduardo Sanchez, who did the original movie, said they were going to skip this one and that they would do the third movie because the studio wanted to push one out so fast. And it didn't work out so well. Yeah, true. There's a bit uh, later on um, when things start getting really crazy uh, towards the end of Tristan, when Jeff calls her, screams at her, Witch bitch! And it just made me really want to watch Death Spa. I don't know if you've seen Death Spa, Mitch. I have not. Check. You need to check out Death Spa. Um, but that was the original title of Death Spa. And I thought, <laughs> I kind of wish I was watching Death Spa. Death, Death Spa, I believe, on Amazon Prime. Yeah, it's ten times more fun. <laughs> um, I think Tristan, I think as you get towards the end and kind of Tristan becomes kind of comes to the forefront and is kind of uh, like becomes the kind of centerpiece character mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I think her performance, not bad. Yeah, pretty strong. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. She's given the meatiest, the, the most meat to play with throughout the, She's, I mean, she's got the miscarriage story and she's got, yeah. where she really, she spends the longest time under suspicion of being the witch. Right, because at that point, everyone else has basically been eliminated. Yeah. So, and she was the most unsuspecting at that point. And mm-hmm. she starts acting like she is the witch. Is <laughs> she talking and, backwards? Like, which, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Is it normal? <laughs> And, she, and she's not mousy anymore. Yeah, she's yeah. You know, in their face. So, um, I, I in fact, I think that like that hap, that that particular shift, you know, like when they have the kind of uh, the main confrontation with her, and she's kind of alternating between kind of egging them on and being kind of like fearful and kind of a little mm-hmm. bit more like the character that we've known up to this point. I, when she's egging on Steven and she ties the rope around her own neck and stuff, I, I thought that was genuinely pretty creepy. I enjoyed that a lot. It's kind of like, I think that like... Definitely. Yeah, it's my favourite, like, of the kind of like end action and stuff like that. It's the part that kind of got to me the most. Can I just talk very briefly about the uh, the kind of reveal video once they, they kind of start to really to figure out what happened and the missing sure. hours that they've got? That must have been so fucking fun to film. Oh yeah, the orgy and everything. The orgy and just, just an old, a shitty camera and just saying to people, just roll around in the dirt and kind of kiss each other and just... Bacchanal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or, or your blood. Yeah. <laughs> I love how they kind of figure it out with a reversal thing, but, well, I don't, actually, because they say, oh, play the video backwards, and they play it backwards and nothing happens, and then he goes, why don't you try doing your keystrokes backwards? Which, to me, seems much lamer than if they just played <laughs> it backwards and it worked. 
<laughs> well, er- earlier they're like, we've identified the girl dancing. And they're like, how? He's like, I enlarged it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. This guy is a genius yeah. editor. Yeah, they good. mentioned earlier that he's an editor. And yeah, that's, he keeps a lot of his editing equipment he, in he, his He does say himself, house. yeah, I've got some pretty cool editing equipment. <laughs> Why don't you all come back and see it? Like, I, I enlarged nah, it. No, thanks. My girlfriend's just had a miscarriage. I'm, I'm going to fuck off home. <laughs> I enlarged it. That's brilliant. So yeah, just just to kind of like get to the bones of what we're talking about, it eventually comes out that all of the murders have been perpetrated by our protagonists mm-hmm. in ways that like we can that are kind of unveiled through video playback and a couple of different back, backdrops towards the end. I enjoyed this as a snapback ending. Yeah, I liked it. I dug it. I think. Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's some. Um, it's uh, so great. Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, uh, do you want to talk about what it is about what what about it that appeals to you? Well, I mean, it's a it's a awesome mindfuck. The whole movie has been a mindfuck of these people. They've just been toyed with the entire movie, and then they find out by watching the videotape. What actually happened is that they were possessed by the spirit of the witch or marked by the witch and that they've committed all these brutal disemboweled Jeffrey. They've they've committed these horrible murders and that, you know, they were all accusing each other of being a witch, but they are the ones that actually did it and obviously motivated by being near the woods. I'm not sure if they're still in the woods. I know they're on the outskirts of the woods. Yeah, they're, they're, they, woods they brought adjacent. something with them. Yeah, woods adjacent. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, oh, I love it. I think it's a great. I mean, you asked me what I would do differently. I would have put the witch in there somewhere. The new Blair witch. I like that they put the witch in it. I, I like that. I like the claustrophobia at the end. There were a lot of things I didn't like about it. But, I mean, you know, this movie. Okay, first of all, it's called Book of Shadows. There is no Book of Shadows in the movie. At all. That's true. There's the book is called History or Hysteria. <laughs> yeah. Hysteria history. But well, that, I think you're right. That I, is that's not even obliquely referenced, is it? No. 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 no, no, no never. But, but the first movie is called The Blair Witch Project. There's no witch. You know that was the <laughs> one of the biggest complaints of the first movie is people that didn't like the movie were mad they didn't get to see the witch. And the whole point of the movie is that you didn't see the witch, and it was all you know. It was yeah, all so. so. You, you know, what you imagine is worse than what you see. But I'm also a big fan of uh, give the people what they want and show the monster sometimes. But, you know, I think he was just mimicking the, you know, again, making a meta commentary on the first movie and everyone's reactions to it. But why is it called Book of Shadows? There's absolutely no reason. That's so true. That just that, like I that had not even occurred to me. Again, I wonder if that was just some studio guy. They say it was. And the movie isn't even called titled Blair Witch 2 Book of Shadows. It's the other they way put Book of Shadows first. <laughs> they, put, they are proud to call this. I think that it might have been another script that was floating around, kind of like Saw yeah. 2 wasn't originally going to be a Saw movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, it's similar to maybe there's something called Book of Shadows, that there was a Book of Shadows in that script. And then they just modified this. Um, so we're just about the anti match. What? Any closing statements? Yeah. Well, I think we really glossed over Erica the Wiccan in this ah, movie. I yeah. mean, <laughs> I mean, the title of your podcast is "Strong Language of Violent Scenes and Nudity." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> she yeah. is. I mean, she. I mean, she's very, very naked throughout the movie, which is a you know a horror movie trope from the seventies and eighties that didn't quite make it to this time. So for the time, I thought it, you know it was a weird choice. But guess, yeah. it really ties into her being a witch, mm-hmm. you know, and um, yeah. I don't know, like you said, she's she's she looks very similar to um, Dizzy from Starship Troopers. Yes. She's got kind of that vibe to her, yeah. but I thought she did a great job and she was a great witch. And I thought that, you know, 
there's a lot to like in this movie. I'm inclined to agree. I think uh, the ending is maddeningly abrupt. Oh, do you think so? The cut, <laughs> the cut from Stephen to the woods, and then that's it, finished. Okay, Mitch, what's your take on that as an argument? That it's an abrupt ending? Yeah, yeah. or that it's uh, abrupt to its detriment. Well, it doesn't help that the character goes, this is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's literally what everyone in the audience was thinking at the time. But no, I mean, it's, you know, it's uh, they find out they've been tricked. It's a mind fuck. I think it's a great ending for, d- for that movie. When I saw it the first time, I thought, oh, that's the woods now, what's happening now? And then the credits came on. And when I watched it the other night, I did the same thing again. He goes, this is bullshit. Woods, what's happening now? Oh, the end. And so, it, it annoyed me. I like it. I, I, I actually like the abruptness of it. Okay. I think that I like, I like the fact that it feels like, it, it feels like a what the fuck moment for the audience as much as the what the fuck moments that are going on in the film for the characters. And I think that the fact that it stops so abruptly without any further explanation actually kind of suits it. I didn't, I, I didn't think it was abrupt at all until you mentioned it, to be honest. I quite, I, 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 I kind of quite like the hard stop. Yeah, I mean, it was so weird that they chose this guy hot off of this documentary film to make a sequel to their breakout documentary hit and then have him do a conventional movie. And it literally seems like the ending. He's literally saying, ha, fuck you, leave. Like, <laughs> Go home and think about no it. Witch. Although, no it, witch, no witch. Yeah, yeah. No witch, no, like, <laughs> nothing that you came here hoping for. Uh, uh, but then he, he does kind of pay some fan service at, I suppose, over the credits with some shaky camera footage of trees. You do get that small payoff on the way out of watching some shaky trees, but, um, if you stay that long. Uh, Mitch, I did, like, we did touch on it a little bit earlier, but um, uh, what was your take on the third movie? The Simon Barra Adam Wingard movie. one. Yeah, did, what did you think of that? I liked the first and third acts. Second act kind of lost me. There were so many things that were set up that weren't paid off, like the drone. And yeah. it's been a while since I've seen it, so I don't remember exactly. But I remember really liking the third act. When they get to the house, it was, I'm a huge Haunted House fan, so it was like a Haunted House attraction. It was There was a witch, there was uh, all these crazy rooms and things happening, and it's very claustrophobic, which always works for me. And then when they go underground, and it's like the descent is another movie yeah. where it's like are they just gonna die trapped underground and then I, you know i was just so so tense and then when she gets out so i mean a lot of it really worked for me but i think overall uh, the movie didn't work i think much you much bane you you seem to drop a bit of scorn on it when i uh in the mini when we mentioned it the other day on the mini so um yeah i think um, you kind of hit the nail on the head there much to be honest i think like i owe it a second watch in as much as I'm a bit like this, where if the second act of something really annoys me, then I have a tendency to be a, to be a little bit blind to the merits of a decent third act. Because by this time, if I've been sitting and something's been trying my patience for half an hour, I feel like it can sometimes be a little bit difficult to top me back from the brink of that, regardless of how good the, like the your last right. twenty minutes, your last half hour might be. So um, I know it's on Netflix now, so I should probably just revisit it and just kind of reevaluate. Because I agree that the way it's set up. Uh, and the way the first half hour or so functions really works for me. What about you, Andy? What? Yeah, I'm actually in the same, more or less in the exact same boat as uh, Mitch W. Again, I thought it kind of came good, but on the whole, I felt it was a bit of a misfire. I thought the stuff, the, the kind of descent stuff, the stuff on the subterranean tunnel things was really strong, but on the whole, I actually watched all three of these films. So you did end up doing that? Yeah, I did. Watched all three. Yeah, I watched all three of them, and actually, I kind of think the three of them work quite well together. You dick, now I have to do it. <laughs> you, don't have, you don't have to do it, but uh, I wouldn't say that it makes any one of them 
any better or any worse to watch the three of them. In fact, it makes the original look fucking amazing. I feel like the three of them work really well together, but the Barrett one, I would say, is my least favourite of the three. Okay. I feel like I should probably watch all of them again before I try and do a ranking. Because I think that I'm not under any illusions that the first one isn't the best one. And this uh, Book of Shadows played out better on reflection than I expected it to. Mitch, I think... uh, I'm not about to hold this up as being some kind of classic, but I think you made an interesting case about um, what it is that works for you. I think that the the notion of video never lying, film does, I like. Mm -hmm. And that's probably kind of the hit on something that I hadn't necessarily thought of, I don't think. Definitely. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, I thought it was a great setup and great payoff. I mean, he, the director tells you at the beginning of the movie what he's trying to say, and then he says it at the end. And, I mean, he is commenting on, he's basically telling people that are still had the Blair Witch hysteria, there is no witch. <laughs> Such a shout. So, essentially doing what the, the sheriff does, fuck off home. <laughs> exactly <laughs> and leave these poor people alone like. <laughs> that's a great show Mitch before we wrap up I want to touch on a couple of things and just what's going on with you and uh, the like we met a couple of years ago um, Fright Fest Fright Fest 2016. 2016 yeah Shepherd's Bush the, the world premiere right in Knucklebones absolutely yes yeah um, which was um, a great uh, that was one of my favorite that was my favorite screening that year I think um, it's so nice of you to say that. It was yeah, it was a great audience to be a part of, and I think like it seemed like you had a great time too. I feel like everyone really enjoyed the movie. Oh yes, everyone from that screening it was so amazing. I I loved it. Couldn't have gone better. Uh, you guys are amazing horror fans over there. Oh, oh man, Fright Fest family. <laughs> I felt like family. Good. Yeah, welcome you feel, back anytime. Yeah, man. you feel like family quite quickly uh, amongst the Fright Fest folk. I think. I feel like it's quite an accepting group of people. Pretty inclusive. Definitely. And uh, Paul and the guys that run the festival are amazing. I mean, amazing. Uh, I, I mean, think they're they're also, I think, it kind of benefits from the fact that they're very different horror fans as well. Yeah, different from each other. Yeah, very different <laughs> from each other. Yeah, that, that's yeah. exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're so prone to disagreement, and it means you're bound to get a kind of like a pretty interesting card every year. And I think the 2016 was no exception. But that was no, that was a fun time, and I think that everyone who hasn't checked right. it out should make the time to check out Knucklebones as well. But uh, now, Is it available in the UK yet, Knucklebones? I know there's a, there's um, a German. Yes, uh, it is. It is available. It is, and uh, it is uh, surprisingly... Germany loves Knucklebones. We the thought ge- that... The German, thought the, that the German edition banned. of it's incredible. Is, yeah, oh, yeah. They've done two different media books uh, with two different covers, and then the upcoming Blu-ray cover. I, I love it. I love it. We thought we'd get banned because we have Nazis and swastikas and all that, and apparently they they love it when you kill Nazis in Germany. So That's just, yeah, I guess that checks out. Um, what's next, Mitch? What's going on? You got anything uh, you want to tell us about? Yes, I just directed a segment for a horror anthology. Okay. Oh. It's called For We Are Many. Oh, and, no. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, from Hex Media. Yeah. Our, and, friend Laurie, um, our friend Laurie Brewster. Laurie Brewster, yes. Amazing mm-hmm. guy. Um, and each segment of the film is uh, about a different demon. Okay. So so either uh, based on real world mythology or completely made up. Mine is a completely made up one uh, based on a, uh, a haunted house on my street growing up. Nice. Uh, called, called Eli's House. Yes. Well, that's cool. Cool. Okay. Um, so still waiting on uh, release news and all that for that, yeah? No no release news. We should hear something in the fall. Cool. Okay. Ooh. That's a, an exciting thing to be a part of. It's a good good piece of news to bring to the table, man. Oh, yeah. It was a lot, it's a lot of directors from Fright Fest that year when I was there. So, Mitch, 
Thanks a lot for taking the time to do this with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Uh, all the best. You never know. Maybe see when we see you at Fright Fest again. Hopefully soon. Director's cut. We want it now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> do this. Yeah, uh, and uh, you never know. For we are many might uh, wind up at either back at Fright Fest or at, uh, at Glasgow Fright Fest. Glasgow Fright yeah. Fest. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'll, I'm definitely coming back. Yes, um, excellent for sure. Mitch, thanks a lot for your time. Thank you. So Mitch Wilson of Knucklebones fame making, I would say, a pretty interesting argument about uh, Blair Witch 2 there. Yeah, and uh, it's not the terrible film everybody makes it out to be. I think that, like, like I said back there, I'm not going to hold it up to be some kind of classic. Because <laughs> it's not. No, but um, <laughs> but I think that uh, yeah, like he came at it from an angle that I hadn't necessarily looked at it from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think uh, I would quite like to if this director's cut happened then i would be quite interested to see what is in there what's left out of there perhaps more interestingly yeah it's a bit of a cinematic onion layers yeah like there you go. Yeah. layers upon layers upon layers and uh an interesting kind of story overall i suppose not more about the the actual kind of production of the film i guess is a more interesting story than perhaps the story of the film yeah i would say that's probably true to yeah. be honest yeah like i'm um, probably like I've, and i think that our director scott are seeing something that would be a little bit closer to uh joe berlinger's original vision might be kind of interesting and mm. might answer a few of those questions as well yeah so um we have had a good week of feedback again all right okay uh when we announced blair witch 2 we had yeah. a couple of people getting in touch on i'll take a look at the facebook and instagrams for this one Okay. And uh, on Facebook, we had uh, a Joanne Margaret Alexander. Right. And uh, she said, yes, I love the sequel. This is going to be a, much, a must listen for me. So presumably not much convincing being uh, necessary there for Joanne. There. <laughs> no, no. And no. Um, uh, yeah, and possibly a little bit more in line with uh, my opinion on Instagram. We had Faye Ellis 4 saying, um, I really like Blair Witch 2. It's hilarious. Again, wrong reasons, perhaps. Um, yeah, but you know, I would <laughs> say like I was like a, a Certainly some of the levels I enjoyed it on would have been that. Over in the cesspit that is Twitter... Oh, no. Uh, we had uh, yeah, we had some decent stuff. We didn't have anybody say that the Blair Witch 2 was shit, which... Uh, no, actually, people people have been pretty... Uh, yeah. Yeah, pre- like, like pretty uh, pretty up for it, like and um, pretty accepting of it so far. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, what, what was coming out of Twitter? Uh, at Nazi, saying, uh, Guess I'll have to hunt down Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. And then possibly my favourite hashtag... Uh, we've had since we started this and coming off the back of the Leviathan episode which oh, yeah. is uh, Go Seacocks Go Seacocks yeah. <laughs> and if that doesn't mean anything to you then you're not paying attention yeah. cycle back to episode 5 we'll wait yeah go back and uh, see what Seacocks has to do with uh, with the show to date and um, anything else on Twitter oh for yeah Blair plenty Witch? plenty yeah. plenty at Dal- Dalgano Barry says this should be a doozy I actually still have the original two-disc DVD of this. No idea where it is, but for my sins, I do have it. So presumably, and hopefully, Barry's dug that out, giving, yeah, it, a re- uh, giving it a wee rewatch. Yeah, a multiple rewatch, but like we did. Maybe. Perhaps, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, random elements again, and a slightly more upbeat tweet um, than we've come uh, become accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Says quite simply, uh, "We are disposable teens. We are disposable teens. We are disposable." Now, I would imagine that's in reference to the opening credits, uh, or just a just, or a just a Marilyn Manson fan. Yeah, or possibly just a commentary on the film's treatment of its characters, <laughs> or a commentary on the youth of today. Wow, there you go. Um, wow, perhaps uh, perhaps he's gone that deep. That's <laughs> heavy going stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we got anything else? Or can we take a look back to some of the other episodes? Anybody get in yeah, touch with I can, those? Uh, what we'll do is um, I'll jump uh, remaining in the in, in Twitter here, in Twitter land, back to Rawhead Rex. Okay. 
back to simpler times, at Mad Science Films, mm-hmm. kind of throws a compliment my way here and then negates it. It's the kind of the shit sandwich, but without the additional good com- <laughs> without the additional good comment. It's just like shit on toast rather than like a shit sandwich. Yeah, it's like shit on toast. That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me. He uh, says, there's only one man who can get me to re-watch hashtag Rawhead Rex. Okay. And that man is Andy Makes Stuff. That's me. Of uh, at Strong Violent PC, great podcast. Even if Andy is wrong about detention, yeah, again, I'm talking about fake news. Wrong, Mad Science Films. You're the man. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate He's disposable. It. <laughs> History will remember me as the victor. Um, you got anything on? Uh, you got anything on Leviathan? Yeah, yeah. Darren Gaskell again. Good man. Yep, we all know Darren's got. He's got an opinion about everything, which is great. Yeah, particularly, um, particularly enjoy. He, like, I mean, he's got some opinions on detention, but he's got some extreme opinions about she's all that. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> Much better character development than most genre flicks. Okay. Even you, six pack, you horrid. <laughs> I, can't, I can't hang on. Oh. Much better character development than most genre flicks. Even you, six pack, you horrid grubby perv. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Pretty damn good cast. Decent yep. effects if mm-hmm. you ignore the monster at the end. Agreed. Agreed wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. And some genuinely tense moments. I really enjoyed it. Good. Coming down positively pretty much across the board on Leviathan. Yeah, I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, he, he kind of falls in line with our opinion on Six Pack, which I feel kind of validated. But by. he is indeed a horrid grubby perv. He is a horrid grubby perv. <laughs> yeah. I have a, a Facebook one on, uh, Levi- on Leviathan. Right. Uh, We've got uh, James Patrick Duffy. All right, okay. Mm -hmm. Got in touch. And he said, As you boys know, I'm concise in my reviews. Leviathan was ace. Can't believe I'd never been exposed to it before. Keep up the good work. Oh, thanks very much. So thanks for getting to that spell, so yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, that's great. Thank you, just in general, for being nice. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a couple of other things. God, is that about detention again? It's not about detention. No, no, no. You would have have heard about it by now if it was more glowy detention stuff. But, uh... Earlier on in the week, before we uh, dropped the mini-sode where uh, we revealed that it was going to be Mitch, it was going to be Blair Witch, you invited people to guess what the next film was going to be. Yeah, that opened up to a whole world of madness. Yeah, it did. And I just want to touch on a couple of things, because a couple of people mentioned stuff that I think would be fun to do in the future. Some of them, yeah, some of them I yeah, would just do right away, if I'm honest. Well, I mean, uh, Tenshi-san 73, our old Chris pal. Angel! Yeah, got in touch and said, uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown. Yes! Uh, Maniac Cop. Yes! Knight Riders. Okay, yes! <laughs> Frankenhooker. <laughs> Amazing. I would do Frankenhooker. I would... Do Frank and Hooker on the episode. Yeah, it would cost you. <laughs> um, Night of the Comet. Okay. And a Cohen and Tate. Interesting that all of these are available on Arrow Video. Really? Yeah, every yeah. one of those. There titles. you have it. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps a collector. Who knows? Yeah, I think that's perhaps what's happened there. Yeah, maybe. Um, and we've also got um, uh, Dalgarno Barry getting back in touch on Twitter. Okay. Saying that uh, he would quite like to see uh, In the Mouth of Madness. That Yeah, I replied to that. That would be amazing. That would be pretty sweet. It's also, um, I would say that I, because I did have a wee look and it would qualify. The mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. critical reception of it is such that if somebody brought it on, it would definitely be a valid shout. <laughs> um, so so that's... Uh, to any upcoming guests who might be listening and they're struggling to come up with a film, there you go. Bring it, uh, bring in the mouth of madness. Yeah, even if you're just watching it for the first time, just watch it and then come on with it. It's fine. We're not, <laughs> we're not here to judge. We don't know. Just We don't know your, your history. Yeah, exactly. So. You could be fucking anybody. <laughs> 
Um, thank you very much, as always, for uh, joining us tonight for episode six. And uh, particular thanks, of course, to Mr. Mitch Wilson yes, for uh, swinging by and um, telling us a little bit about, well, a lot about how much he loves uh, Blair Witch 2 mm-hmm. and a little bit about Knucklebones and uh, his involvement. Yeah, in... I, re- I really liked you digging into his relationship with Knucklebones and perceived... Uh, connections between Knucklebones and Blair Witch. Oh, I, uh, I thought that was, I thought that was a pretty interesting angle. Obviously, uh, backfired terribly on you because it had absolutely no bearing. Well, yeah, I, got, I got completely wrong, but I tried, like, <laughs> yeah, but I tried. Um, yeah, but, yeah, and trying, admirable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying is the first step towards failure. Um, uh, so yeah, thanks so much for getting in touch and uh, for talking Knucklebones, and also for we are many with us as well tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you want to get in touch uh, with any feedback, of course we do like doing these at the end of the episodes. If you want to get in touch, then you can get in touch with Facebook and Instagram. That's at Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us at Strong Violent PC, and you can also email Strong Language Violent Scenes at gmail.com. So we'll be back on. Monday. Monday. Took me a second there. We'll be back on Monday, Monday. with another mini-sode where we'll announce mm-hmm. the uh, guest and film for next week and probably also have a little bit of chat about some peripheral shite as well. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine that that's, uh, that's exactly what will happen. Same with the cards. If we're, uh, if we're playing to pass form, then that's certainly what will happen. We'll yeah. talk a lot of shite yeah. about some shite. I think, yes, yeah, talking mm. shite is definitely on brand. Uh-huh. Uh, so join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget that it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chads. Good night. Good night. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes and Podbean.